Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome back to the YouTube home for BamaOnline.com. It is a Thursday evening. I'm Travis Schreier, Jimmy Stein, Andrew Bone, and of course, Diagonal right down there, you see. Our site publisher, Tim Watts, and gang, we have had a crew waiting for us to go live here on the YouTube podcast or the YouTube show. And what a day, right? Um, seemed a little bit surreal, at least to me. And I'll start with you, Tim. Nick Saban, on his first day of retirement, we see wheeling up to the office, going inside, and going to work on his first yeah. day of retirement. It like, yeah, it seemed like business as usual for him. You know, you kind of expect him to do that. I don't think he's going to be a guy down the road sleeping in until 10 a.m. Uh, later on in life anyways. Um, we were curious, though. He spoke today. I thought he did a fantastic job. He hit on all the – it wasn't health-related, you know, and a, a lot of speculation involving health, and we tried to keep that off the round table as much as possible because we just we just didn't know. Also, when you get people in their 70s, there's a certain amount of health issues that come with you naturally. For us in the 50s, it just jumps at you, you know. So um, tried to limit that, but not surprised he was in their interview. I thought he did a great job. I'm not sure Alabama fans watched it because there's still like even tonight, there was a thread saying for y'all that thinks this was unexpected. It was unexpected. To be clear, this was unexpected. The entire football team, the signees, the coaches, this was unexpected. They were interviewing players yesterday. Now I think Saban went back and forth with the inkling. Maybe I'm tired of it. Maybe I'm ready to go. But have no doubt that was a that was a surprising you know moment yesterday. It's still surreal. Well, and he said in the interview, right, five minutes before 
announcing it to the team, he was going back and forth with Miss Terry in a phone call as to which speech yeah. he was going to make. Yes. And, you know, Andrew, what we had, what we heard too was from a recruiting perspective, the difficulty in maintaining that front of, Oh yeah, I'm going to be here for another four or five years. Um, I think there are plenty of coaches probably in the past that just run right through that stop sign and say what they have to say. And you understand it. I mean, that's your livelihood of your program is recruiting, but, uh, I thought that was particularly interesting on the recruiting front. Anything else for you in terms of takeaways that, that you've heard today in relation to, to Nick Saban and, and what he's been up to? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing as far as you know, Nick Saban and having to deal with the constant questions of, you know, are you going to be there next year? Are you going to be there in, in three to you know four years? You know, a lot of that stems from other programs that are recruiting against Alabama because, you know, they've been telling kids for the last 10 years that Coach Saban isn't going to be there much longer. And, uh, you know, he's proved a lot of those guys wrong, but, you know, he was getting up uh, in age a little bit, but he, you know, he seemed like he was still ticking pretty good. I mean, you know, being at the office first thing uh, this morning, I mean, he, he's proven out there that he's, you know, he doesn't really want to slow down just yet. But, I, you know, I, I think when I retire, you know, sorry, Tim, I'm probably not going to – I might sleep in until 10 that, that next day and, and not not be on the site. But, Let me just uh, say, but, Andrew Slip was, was asleep later than Nick Saban today. So when he retires <laughs> – it's kind of a, it's kind of a different perspective, right? Jimmy, here. it was interesting though, right? Because we've seen these happen in the past. Coaches retire, coaches for whatever reason disassociate themselves or or are disassociated with jobs. You don't you don't typically see the next day uh, the the coach in, in in question show up for work. I and and and, and hey, what about Cedric too? Right there till no. the bitter end. Um, with Nick headed yeah. into the office. It was a little bit like Seinfeld. I couldn't figure out if uh, if Nick was Costanza who showed up after he was fired or Kramer who showed up for work, even though he didn't work there. It was one of those. It was, it was a Seinfeld like a moment. So Cedric was playing the role of uh, of Kramer this morning. But no, Cedric is a an institution. And I'm uh, real curious to see who wins Cedric in the divorce, uh, the Sabans <laughs> or the next football coach at Alabama is, is Cedric still going to be serving the next head football coach at Alabama, or is he simply going to go to Jupiter, Florida and, uh, and hang out with the Sabans and retire with them? Uh, that's interesting. Cedric, but, Hey, I'm Nick, Nick only knows one way full speed. That's why I was there. Cedric has been telling folks at the sushi bar upstairs at Chuck's that he's going to retire every year for about the last seven years. So we'll see. We'll see even where Cedric's concerned in all of this. So Tim, kind of let's get this thing reset in terms of how the day has played out, guys, with potential candidates, both real and perhaps fictional and what do we know as we head into really close to the seven o'clock hour central time on a Thursday night? I think we wasted 24 hours, basically. I mean, I think this search would seem a lot more normal had it not been the whole Dan Lanning Flash Gordon arrived in Tuscaloosa from Oregon in two hours. That ridiculous rumor that was confirmed multiple times last night. Um, I mean, we were up at 10 o'clock talking to people who had seen Dan Lanning who had talked to Dan Lanning, who was with his family at home and knew he wasn't there. Now, I think that expedited the search because Dan Lanning's now issuing, I'm staying 
And there's been no one to me, nobody I can, that I can speak of confirmed there was any contact. If he's at home last night with his family, I don't think there was heavy negotiations. But had he been a target, I think you could, you probably saw him eliminated pretty quickly because he had to address that today, right? He's probably sitting at home, minding his business, full of turkey pot pie, and then watching the movie and comes back and he's got that old uh, <laughs> Billy DeVille. He comes back and he's got, seven, you know, the 718 missed texts. So uh, I think that's the first thing we eliminated landing. But I think Greg Byrne has kept his plan very confident in his speech to people. So I think he's kept his plan and knows exactly what he wanted to do. Yeah, but Tim, was it a Swanson's turkey pot pie? Because I mean, now, now I'm going to be craving. Best. I'm going to be yeah. craving one. The chicken uh, are the best. And well, they got to have the crust all the way around too. Absolutely, not just on yeah. the top. Andrew, um, what has been your biggest takeaway throughout the course of the day with Kalen DeBoer seemingly picking up steam? Uh, talk about Steve Sarkeesian, uh, Mike Norvell, potentially the assistant route with Tommy Reese. Where do you kind of stand on all this so far? You know, it's been 17 years since we've gone through this, um, you know, coaching turnover and coaching search and trying to figure things out. And, you know, back then there wasn't social media. There wasn't Twitter. There wasn't, uh, was there Facebook at the time? Maybe there was, but there wasn't, there wasn't Twitter or Instagram or anything like that. So watching, you know, all these different people on social media claiming that they know uh, what's going on and who, or who's being hired. I think that's kind of been uh, one of the biggest turnoffs uh, over the course of the last 24 hours is you know, seeing all these people that act like they know what's going on when they don't have any sort of clue. They're just throwing stuff on the wall and th- thinking it's going to stick and, uh, you know, maybe they'll be right. But, you know, I think with, you know, we saw different reports from reputable people, uh, you know, national reports saying, you know, DeBoer, we saw Norvell. And yeah, I mean, I, I think that those are names that have been considered. Now, have they been interviewed? Have they been vetted? Have they been, you know, in co- contact with Greg Byrne? We don't know that for 100 uh, percent. We only know what we know. And I, I think that Greg Byrne certainly trying to make a quick decision, a smart decision, but I also think. He had his candidates uh, probably well before yesterday. Um, even though I don't think that he knew that this was going to happen yesterday, I think you know I, I don't know if Saban had a conversation with him before yesterday, but I think that they that he actually knew you know these were going to be the first calls that we were going to make once Saban you know, hit that retire button and uh, you know see what yeah. happens. But you know, I think there's been a lot of misinformation out there, and a lot of that's you know been on social media, and it's a lot of people that just believe crap that's uh that's thrown out there so you gotta trust uh you know i think you've got to follow the uh you know people in our industry that have been around for a long time uh tim especially you know i think that he did a really good job last night as far as continuing to uh stick with his word stick with his plan trust his sources rather than just running out and saying oh he's in town because somebody on twitter said he was in town um yeah, we have enough. I will say that, that was so to. hectic. I will say the bonfire that was set was was pretty amazing. You know, we, and we did. We said we can't confirm he's there. We didn't say he wasn't there. We said we can't confirm it. Was source we trusted. At Eight p.m. said he's not there. Shows up at eight oh one. He shows up at nine oh one. He could show up at ten oh one. But at no point did we confirm that. But it was 
look, we knew what was going to happen with a Nick Saban coaching search, right? The Frenzy. message board's wild. The rumors are wild. It doesn't bother us. We were here for it. We knew it would be crazy. But I do think the landing was in Tuscaloosa has sped this up. And I think the, you know, the real, I think the recalibration is where they're at right now. Jimmy, it seems like uh, some folks have just sped right through that stop sign that was that statement from Greg Byrne in relation to the search of if you don't hear it from me, right. it, it, it's not true. Uh, and, and again, I think Tim said it too. You know, this isn't Mike Shula that Alabama is replacing, although with Nick Saban, that was a pretty damn big deal. But the <laughs> point being, uh, this was this was always going to play out this way in some form or fashion, I guess. Well, you know, I think in terms of predicting the future, the best way to look at it is to look at history. And we do have a, a recorded history of a big uh, Greg Byrne hire when he hired Nate Oates. Uh, so we see how Greg Byrne has done this in the past. And Greg Byrne kept that search very tight to the vest. It's not like uh, we were talking about Nate Oates from the, from the beginning of the, of the search all the way to the end. Uh, Greg Byrne sort of surprised us with that at the end. Uh, and as we see, it's worked out especially, especially well. Now, Alabama football is a different beast. Uh, this is bigger. This is a bigger stage. This is a lot more eyeballs, to be honest. But we've seen how Greg Byrne likes to manage these searches, and it starts with absolute confidentiality. So there, it, it creates this uh, emptiness out there that everyone wants filled because everyone wants information. Uh, you know, I think Tim's uh, you know reports last night uh, helped quell I think a lot of the 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 fires that were burning, and you know we'll see what uh, what today brings. Uh, you know, interestingly, some breaking news as we're doing this uh, show. Uh, Ross Dellinger reporting that there is a major NCAA infractions case uh, regarding Florida State and their NIL activity. And you wonder if that's going to uh, potentially seriously uh, damage any case Mike Norvell may have had uh, with the NCAA now in town regarding uh, Florida State NIL activities. Again, that's a report just issued uh, just now by Ross Dellinger. We tried to tell everybody you can't pay them before they get there. We were telling you. <laughs> we were telling you the NCAA, me and Travis discussed this literally. The NCAA comes calling like five or six years down the road. You're like, yeah. you got away with it. Not so. It's like that. You know, it's also like not paying your taxes. And they're like so, the feds. Most yeah, of the time, they already know the stuff. answers. Yeah, that yeah. NIL stuff. I mean, it's not the only school they're going to call, I think. No. Oh yeah, there's there's gonna be some questions asked, but um, you know the one thing about the coaching search up to this stage is I think the emotional swings that have went with it. Landing obviously hogged it a lot. A lot. Norville this morning was a hot thing, and now you know you got Kalen, the Washington coach, and now Steve Sarkeesian. And the thing I love, and I know it pisses some fans off. And look, they're they're demanding answers. We're not gonna make up answers. I mean, you've got. You got you got Twitter to make up shit. You know what I mean? You got plenty to find that anywhere. But um, I do think something is simple, and I love it. Arian Hampton can say something on Instagram, and we're off and running. You know, so I do think that's part of the coaching search, and I do think it. You know, I have fun with it. I mean, we waited seventeen years, but to Jimmy's point, rewritten history says everybody's like, "Wow, Nate Oates, what a great hire." Greg Byrne, you nailed it. We no, no, no. No, hell no. I've been texting with friends tonight. They lost their mind about a coach from Buffalo. Lost their minds about a coach from Buffalo. I mean, losing it, 
desperate hire, top targets turned down, which was never the case. So I think, again, perception with how Greg's going to handle this. And Travis, your point's great. He came on Twitter and says, don't believe anything unless I say it. And they're like, whatever. <laughs> this guy's got 111 I'll use a, I'll use a substitute teacher or something, you know? This guy's got 111 Twitter followers. Who is Greg? You know, so I've enjoyed it. I think uh, I think we're getting to that point where it's about to really be fun. Andrew, uh, from a roster, maybe a recruiting perspective, has there been any early indications after Saban's decision about you know, how this is going for Alabama. I know it's still incredibly early, but you did have a massive amount of early enrollees who are already on campus. Uh, I got to think that's probably a good thing for Alabama to go ahead and have that group. But anything that you're picking up from maybe a recruiting and or roster perspective? I think a lot of people are just waiting to see who the next uh, head coach is going to be. Um, which coaches are going to be retained. I mean, there's a lot of strong relationships with uh, with the assistant coaches that are in that building, a lot of people that work in that building. Um, you know, who's going to still be around? You know, I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons why we see Coach Saban still around the program uh, to make feel, you know, people feel comfortable, make people feel confident that Alabama is still the place for them, um, regardless that he's not going to be the head coach. And, you know, they're trying to find the right guy to come in. Maybe they have found the right guy already, and he's told a few of them, but you know, or maybe not. Uh, we're kind of waiting to see what happens there. But you know, I haven't really heard anything as far as guys that are going to leave the program just yet. You know, are there guys that are probably being recruited behind the scenes? Uh, probably so. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw somebody enter the portal. But as you know, we've noted, you, know, you can enter the portal. You can you can exit the portal. Uh, you know, you don't have to stay in there. So uh, the biggest thing right now is how quickly are you going to hire your head coach? Who's it going to be? Is it going to be a good fit for you? Or, you know, and then you also have to look at these other programs that are, that are out there that you might be considering going to. You know, do they have a spot on their roster for you? Um, because a lot of these schools, they filled up with transfer portal kids uh, you know, during the holidays. So uh, they may not have room for these guys anymore. But if you're a really good player, you know, most of those schools will, uh, or at least the bigger schools, typically find you a spot. And we got a spot for you right here on the YouTube home for BamaOnline.com. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel for BamaOnline.com, we certainly hope you'll do that right now. Hit that subscribe button. Turn on those notifications. You'll get all of our video content as it drops. And, of course, there's no better time to be right there with us on the roundtable at BamaOnline.com. Uh, Jimmy, wanted to ask you, of some of these names that we've heard a great deal of here in the last 12 or 14 hours, Kalen DeBoer, Mike Norvell. Um, you obviously already know about Steve Sarkeesian. Tommy Reese is a guy that's been in the job as offensive coordinator for a year. From a fit perspective, is there a, one or two of these guys, maybe more so what we would consider to be outsiders like DeBoer in Norvell that strike you as particularly good fits when you look at this job? I think personality-wise, DeBoer is interesting in terms of his personality. He's the right age. He's around the age Nick Saban was when Nick Saban was hired at Alabama initially. Uh, his one-loss record is uh, ridiculously good, although most of that was at the lowest levels of, of, of college football. But he's very serious about football from what I've, I've gathered from, uh, from, from seeing him on television the last three years in FBS football. Very serious guy. Uh, offensive-minded, uh, family guy, 
you know, Penix, for instance, one of the big stars of college football, he recruited Michael Penix to Indiana. And then when DeBoer left Indiana and ended up at Washington, Penix followed him. So you've got a star football player that's crossing the country a couple of different times to play for him. Uh, I think he's an interesting guy, but let's be honest, uh, as as we say around Alabama, you know, he, he ain't from around here. You know, he, he's from South. He's a South Dakota guy uh, that coached at South Dakota and Fresno and Washington and has never coached, uh, you know, east of the Mississippi River. Uh, I, I think it's he's a stranger to most fans of, 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 of Alabama football. I think Alabama fans only know him because he just happened to be coaching in a playoff that Alabama was in. Uh, I, I think to some extent he could be a tough sell in that way, but he has demonstrated that he is uh, an extremely serious person. And uh, as a head football coach, uh, he's won 104 games and has lost only 12 times. That's absurdly good, uh, but he ain't from around here. And Tim, it's interesting because Washington's offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubb, was a guy that Nick Saban was obviously infatuated with during the last go around as the offensive coordinator post that ended up with Tommy Reese in that position, but obviously a different dynamic, especially as Jimmy's kind of pointing out here, I think more so from a recruiting perspective than hiring an offensive coordinator and hiring a head coach as the face of your program. So if it were Kalen DeBoer that were the next guy at Alabama, what would Alabama need to do in terms of surrounding him with the kind of people that would help him be ultra successful on the trail. And that's understanding guys. When I look at this Washington coaching staff, there's a couple of three of these guys. I think you would want, you know, I think Scott Huff, an offensive line coach, Jamarcus Shepard, passing game coordinator, wide receivers, grub. If he wasn't promoted to the head coach job, maybe at Washington. Um, but, but again, Tim, what, what, what would you need to do with a guy like this? I mean, it starts with recruiting, right? Yeah. You want to get guys that are good, you you know, in the you know, T Rob would be one that would jump out to me right out of the gate. The guy that's been a coordinator who's been at several schools, played at Auburn, coaches at Alabama, and has a really thing about T Rob was he's involved with guys that weren't his primary or his position. He's just a well liked guy. So, for example, you get him, you put that staff together. Now, you can still bring, I mean, if you look at Nick Saban, he had guys like his offensive coordinator never really recruited, you know. Joe Cox was a tight end coach. He didn't have a lot of area. Robert Gillespie didn't have a lot of guys. He would pick and choose, you know, a handful of guys that he went after. So you could put a staff together. This is going to be, begin with recruiting. And I get the comparisons. I mean, after Brian Harson at uh, Auburn, I think there's going to be numerous people talking about that. But I think in basically any candidate you've got, you can shoot a you know you can shoot a hole you can deflate them unless his name is Steve Sarkeesian or Kirby Smart or those kind of guys everybody else you're going to be able to say but or what so obviously like Jimmy said he's not from around here I'm curious to see because he's been the hot name all night I'm curious to see how that got out of house with Greg being as quiet as he is if that's the case it makes me suspicious he's not the guy now he very well could be the guy because we're seeing some left and right jabs and all that stuff. And four hours ago, maybe three, four, five hours ago, our FSU site was almost convinced that Mike Norvell was going to be the guy. They were worried. I was talking to the guys over there, the sources there, and now it's switched to Washington. 
and you know you got Greg being secretive, and then you got you know you know you got Kaiser Sexton, right? You got Jimmy Sexton playing Kaiser Soze, getting everybody know. paid. Yeah, he is moving guys around. Games are thrown for real on the chess set. So there's a lot at play right here, but I still think um, I still think we're, we've yet to see the exact fireworks we're going to see. Andrew, the dynamic of potentially an offensive guy in that spot because it's been Nick Saban for 17 years, one of the greatest to ever do it. Just when you talk about defensive coordinators, defensive coaches, before you even talk about what he is or what he was as a head coach, but if it is an offensive guy and you look at this roster and you look at this recruiting class, right, and what's still out there and who is still out there in this recruiting class, um, could that in some ways be exactly what this particular group needs? You look at Alabama's roster, the guys that are coming back on offense, uh, you know, how can you not be excited about that group? I mean, you have three starters returning on the offensive line. You have you know a lot of playmakers. You have the uh, – uh, the two running backs that you know, didn't get a lot of playing time this year, uh, but are going to uh, you know be uh, you know household names next year in Jam Miller and and uh, Justice Haynes. You know, we got some explosive weapons on the outside. You know, with uh, with Isaiah Bond, Kobe Prentice, Kendrick Law. Um, you know, tight end Amari Neblack, you know, CJ Deprees coming back. You know, you've got some uh, you got some ammunition there. And Caleb Odom uh, was one of the stars of the. Uh, uh, the bowl practices as a true freshman coming in, you know, a couple of weeks removed from, from playing high school football. So uh, there's a lot to like there. And uh, you can expect, you know, if this is an offensive guy that comes in, if it is DeBoer, if it is potentially Sark, I mean, these are guys that, you know, you can be really excited about that you can stretch the field with that, you know, are going to be playmakers in your offense. Now, as far as recruiting goes, I mean, Alabama just lost Ryan Williams. Uh, decommitted after the news broke of Saban. Uh, do you potentially get him back on campus with the right hire, uh, with an offensive-minded guy? You potentially do. I I don't know what Ryan's going to do as far as taking visits. We know he's going out to A&M this weekend. He's got the official schedule for uh, Texas and then to Auburn. You know, does he potentially cancel one of those visits and uh, come back to Tuscaloosa? I think it's a, a possibility, but we also know that uh, one of his biggest uh, reasons for committing to Alabama was because of was because of Coach Saban, but I think you start looking into the future a little bit more, especially in that 2025 recruiting class. You have Jamie French, who's a five-star wide receiver who really hasn't said much uh, since Coach Saban has retired. So you got to you got to work to keep him. But uh, you get an offensive guy in there that uh, that's going to stretch the field and get the ball to its playmakers. Uh, you make a lot of guys happy pretty quickly. Jimmy. Um... The, everyone seems to have a, a preference in this type of scenario, offensive guy versus defensive guy. And yes, Nick Saban's background was certainly on the defensive side. You go out to practices, even in 2023, you see Nick Saban in individual periods working with corners, working with defensive backs. That being said, Nick Saban was all encompassing, right? I mean, there's a reason why it was called the Alabama offense, because really it was Nick Saban's offense. Yeah. It wasn't just sort of this split thing. Um, where do you kind of sit in, on that in, in 2024 and uh, how that needs to work in your opinion? Is it the figurehead type? Is it the offensive guy, the defensive guy? It looks pretty interesting with the group that we've seen bantied about mostly today. It's had a real offensive feel to it, hadn't it? 
Well, you've seen it done by so many people, so many different ways. I mean, Nick Saban, you know, the greatest of all time, you know, he did it when he was a great CEO, but he was also very hands-on with the defense. And to some extent, the offense, I think one of the most amazing things about the Saban era guys is he's a defensive coach. Some people call him the greatest defensive mind of all time. Alabama set virtually every single school record on offense while Nick Saban was there. Nick Saban rewrote the offensive school records uh, at Alabama while also being one of the great defensive minds of all time. And I think, you know, Nick Saban did it one way. I I think uh, other coaches do it another way. What's in vogue in terms of the NFL, of course, is offensive guys who were born during, I don't know, the Obama administration. There's a bunch of 23-year-old NFL head coaches running around who are offensive gurus, and that's sort of in vogue you know, uh, in the NFL. So I think to some extent that's going to bleed down to college. Uh, I think because Nick Saban's been a defensive guy, I'm sort of personally interested in an offensive guy. Uh, we're just coming off, you know, for instance, a Rose Bowl where I think I think the team, you know, was was basically one offensive possession, one creative offensive possession away from uh, from winning the game and playing for the national championship. So I wouldn't personally mind to see an offensive-minded head coach that has had a lot of success on that side of the ball. But the fact of the matter is you want to hire the best guy, a winner, a guy who's going to win, whether he's an offensive guy at heart or a defensive guy at heart, a CEO type, or a guy that's going to get there and coach all 22 positions on the field. Uh, you know, it, it, it's got to be a guy that's comfortable in his own skin and doing it the way he wants to do it. Yeah, intangibles in this job especially, they got to be right. Uh, they just have to be. And so, Tim, as we head into the evening hours and perhaps even into the overnight hours, where's this thing headed, in your opinion? What are your thoughts as we move forward from this point, as we reset and look ahead to the next 24 hours or so? You know, I think Greg Byrne knew his guy. And I would guess he knew his two guys that he was going to get. I think there was a take my shot here, fall back to here possible. And again, it's pure speculation, but I think Greg, I think he probably started with a guy like Steve Sarkeesian, Kirby Smart, somewhere up that range. And again, I'm not saying Kirby Smart's going to leave Georgia. I'm saying you got to ask, right? You know, you got to ask to see where it stands. I think Steve Sarkeesian between the two would be much more likely. Um, I think there's going to be some connections there, obviously, with Alabama. Got his start. Maybe feels he owes saving his career. That whole thing. Obviously, Texas is a fantastic program. He's doing great there. But I think when you come out of the gate, I think you come out of the gate shooting. And uh, you're shooting threes. You're shooting deep. You're shooting from half court before you go get your layup. So I think they've got that guy. Now, whether that guy said yes whether that guy said no, that's the biggest question. But if I had to guess, I think Steve Sarkeesian would be a top top target. Um, and again, I don't think you're going to see, you know, you're not going to see a lot of people say no because you're basically asking when you know the answer, right? It's like, you know, I've been saying it's like asking a girl to homecoming. You already know she's saying, Aunt, you know, you already know she's saying yes or no for you roll into the lunchroom with that big poster board. So I think the coaching search is going to be similar to that. So, you know, but I do think because it's confidence, I mean, you come out of the gate, you don't leave yourself much of a, you know, an out, you know, I'm big on leaving a back door to get out of it, leaving myself an escape. He said 72 hours. 
you know, click, click, four o'clock, 72 hours. You know, it's like that, you know, that show uh, 24, you know, we got the clock ticking. So he had to have some confidence because he didn't just pull that out of the air. Jimmy Sexton, every client seems to be connected to him. Jimmy Sexton's in the building. And the one thing I'll say, Saban, it's a huge deal. He's still at the University of Alabama talking to recruits. Recruits, not signees and on campus, but he's talking to recruits, saying I'm going to be around. I mean, what was the quote Charlie Potter had was, I can still yell at you from the office like I can on the field. So that's huge in itself. So he's obviously going to have some say-so in this. So if you trust Greg, you trust Saban, Jimmy Sexton, I mean, does anybody represent more than him? But I think Alabama's taking their shot. Um, I don't know who that guy is. I think Greg Byrne knows who it is, but I would I would guess – Steve Sarkeesian's right up there. Kirby Smart. To me, they're, you know, you don't get much better in college sports than those two. Yeah, Andrew. And something else Greg Byrne has to sell. I wrote about this at BamaOnline.com earlier today. You know, the thing about Nick was you didn't see in the final three, four, five years just sort of this, well, we don't need to worry about continuously updating facilities or staying ahead in that way. I mean, this thing is ready to jump in, low miles, luxury sedan for whoever ends up in this spot. And a part of that, too, is the quarterback situation. Now, we can talk about rosters and all those things, but where it starts, much like the NFL, too, is what do you got in your quarterback room? So if you're a Kalen DeBoer, and you just went through Michael Penix, all due respect to Will Rogers, right? The transfer from Mississippi State. Great guy, has put up numbers. But if I'm Kalen DeBoer and I've got interest from Alabama and I see that quarterback room, if I'm Mike Norvell, even though I just got a commitment from DJ Ungalele, um, that, that's got to matter too. I mean, that's that's really where it starts for a lot of these guys, especially all these offensive guys we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, obviously, quarterback is um, the most important position on the field, and you know, you want to have a great quarterback. You want to have a great leader. Uh, you want to have a guy that can get the ball to your playmakers. Um, but the depth there is really impressive. Um, you know, with Jalen, with Ty, Dylan Lonergan, then you have you know the number one quarterback in the country that just signed with you, uh, Julian Sang, who you know, I mentioned Caleb Odom earlier having a great ball practice. Julian Sang also. Uh, drew a lot of praise for his, uh, you know, his two weeks working out, out with the uh, with the team. So you got a loaded roster from top to bottom. It's not, you know, it's not just the quarterback room. Eh? I mean, it's just about every single position group that you got to be really excited about. I mean, there's some polls that have Alabama preseason polls. One, you know, only a few days after the national championship, but you know, some polls have Alabama ranked as the number one team in the country heading into next season. You know, certainly a top five team uh you know whoever gets this job is entering a much brighter situation than uh than Nick Saban did when he uh entered the mix uh 17 years ago and uh he had to com- completely revamp that roster so um you know Alabama is that fine well-tuned oil machine that is ready to go so I think whoever it's going to be is going to be you know really excited about the talent the facilities the infrastructure that they have to work with here in the future Guys, I'm going to let you all out of here with this one. Not so much who uh, you won't be surprised by in terms of who the pick ultimately ends up being. I'm going to ask each of you this. I'll be most surprised if it is this guy. Which of these candidates um, that we talked about, and we haven't talked about Lane Kiffin. Have you noticed that? Hadn't been been any talk about Lane Kiffin. Um, 
is there is there one candidate that's been bandied about that you will be most surprised if it ends up being that particular coach as a successor to Nick Saban? Jimmy, uh, you get to go first. How about that? Yeah, uh, I don't. Uh, in terms of names that have been bandied about, names we've talked about, I'll, I'll give you more more than a couple. Actually, I will be really surprised if it's Elaine Kiffin. I will be really surprised if it's Dabo Sweeney. Um, I would be really surprised if it's Kirby Smart. I'd be really surprised if it's D'Amico Ryan's. Uh, some of those guys I just deem as most likely unhirable uh, based on where they are, and a couple of the guys I'm, I'm not really sure Alabama would have enough interest in to make the offer, but that's several names. Uh, all of those names would really, really surprise me. Uh, though I would love to see a, a, a D'Amico or a Kirby Smart in Tuscaloosa, but I, I I would just be shocked. What about you, Tim? I'm going to go with Dan Lanning. <laughs> a little bit of irony here, 24 hours later. What about, let me ask you this more specifically. How surprised would you be if it ended up being, let's say, Tommy Reese at 31, 32 years old? Yeah, very surprised. You know, I think, you know, I know the Charlie had the report, people saying they were being interviewed, Mike Loxley, Tommy Reese. It's not, I mean, there's a lot of guys interviewed. Alabama just interviewed six or eight, I think, wide receiver guys. All of them probably weren't candidates for that job. I think they probably had it whittled down to two or three, but you're also playing pay. Uh, you're uh, you're doing favors. You're giving people experience. Kirby Smart got an interview, knowing before all he wasn't taking a job. They got to get on the job training. Jimmy Sexton helped me out do the interview. So I would be surprised because of his age, the lack of experience, all of that would definitely surprise me. Um, surprise me if it's Mike Loxley, although I think he did a really good job at Maryland. So um, I do think there's going to be interviews. A lot of these interviews won't even get out. I mean. The wide receiver guys, I mean, I was told double digits interviewed this week for openings. All those names weren't candidate for the opening. Yeah, there's a difference these days, especially in terms of how things work behind the scenes and with agents. Typically, if there's an official interview that's granted, you're probably in the winding down stage of consummating a deal with that particular candidate. There are tons, tons of contact that is made. Uh, between representation and uh, the schools and, and things like that. But I'll ask you too, Andrew, uh, you got a guy or two out there right now that, that it would, would pretty much surprise you if, if he ended up being in this job. I don't think it's going to be Hugh Freeze. <laughs> I, don't think he's, gonna, I don't think they're going to go after him. As much as he's been able to get uh, you know, some of those top wide receivers this cycle, I, I don't think it's going to be him. But, you know, in reality, you know, some of the names that we've seen mentioned, um, and Tim mentioned Mike Loxley, um, you know, Eli Drinkowitz, you know, he was a name that's been mentioned uh, earlier today. I'd be surprised if, if it was him, even though he's had a he's had a really good rise. I mean, he, he's taken Missouri to uh, – uh, to some good heights this year and, uh, you know, recruited really well. I'd be really surprised if it, if, if it was him. But I don't think it's going to be uh, an assistant coach or a coordinator from somewhere. Uh, I think it's going to be a well-established head coach, uh, which Alabama can obviously go after and get. I don't think they're going to you know, promote anybody. I think it's going to be somebody that's uh, well-known, well-liked, well-received. And um, I, I, I still think it's going to be a home run hire because Alabama's – Alabama. They were able to go and get Nick Saban. They're going to be able to get a great successor here. And, you know, people say you don't want to follow Nick Saban. You didn't want to follow Bear Bryant. Well, 
infrastructure's there. The program's ready to go. There's a lot of talent on that roster, and um, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of, you know, there's definitely going to be a lot of great coaches who are very much interested and would lo- love to get the job, but I think there's certainly going to be, you know, in Tim's opinion and a lot of our opinions, you know, there's probably two guys that are right at the top of the list, and I think one of those three guys will be it. Yeah, it's uh, – look, some of these guys like Locks, they're friends of the program. In other words, they've been involved with the program. So if their involvement or their name being attached to the job helps them in their current situation, all the better. Good for those guys. And that's kind of the solids that you try to do, I think, in this business. And, look, Locks during his time at Alabama, I can recall, he was off the field, had to work to get back on the field. Nobody became a coordinator. Out. I mean, he, I remember him talking to Robert Foster. I thought Robert Foster was transferring. I thought he was leaving. And, you know, look, Locks wasn't even, I think, on the field, but he was around. And I think he helped guys like Robert Foster and others, and then they went on to become what they did at Alabama. But go ahead, Tim. I think you had something on Locks. I was just going to say nobody left Alabama in better standings with Nick Saban than Mike Locksley. He closed the door on Trey Sanders. Y'all can remember that. <laughs> that one went on. Speaking of going to the midnight hours, worked his tail off. I always felt that, you know, Talia transferring there was a little bit of sign of respect, um, all that kind of stuff. But a guy that, again, has got, you know, he's going to have support of Nick Saban. And I'm not saying he's going to get the head coaching job, but he's got the respect of Nick Saban, who's a fan in his. And the players, there's a ton of players that love Mike Loxley, like you were pointing out. No doubt about it. And we hope you've loved the latest edition of Bama Online on YouTube. Guys, it's been a lot of fun. I hope it's been informative, to be sure. Uh, Again, if you don't subscribe or haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, we hope you'll do that right now. Hit the subscribe button. Turn on those notifications. Jimmy, Andrew, Tim, I know where we're going to be, right? Right there at BamaOnline.com. Come hang out with us there on the roundtable. We'll be we'll be on the round table this evening. So come check us out. Sam it's, like, it's like the old Jerry Lewis telethon. You know, we'll, we'll go to the tote board at like two thirty in the morning or something. You know, Tim was literally on the board. I think two a.m. last night. Literally, oh, yeah, yeah. I stayed up. I was having fun. I mean, in Oregon, it was I can't only, keep up with Tim. I for me and Dan, for me and Dan Lanning, it was only midnight. So me and Dan were he, smoking he was cigars. I, I heard you two were at Heat Pizza Bar in downtown Tuscaloosa. <laughs> That's what I, I felt heard. like I was going to get a restraining order trying to find out exactly what my man was doing last night. My man, Frank Fleming, he'll hook you up at Heat Pizza Bar. That's where I would be uh, right now. But, uh, hey, it, we got a lot of coverage for you right there at BamaOnline.com. So, for Jimmy, Andrew, and Tim, Travis Ryder, thanking you once again. Until next time, song everybody. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. 
Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-427 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.